One, two, three. Welcome to Highest Potential with Steve Pettit, a podcast that explores how Bob Jones University empowers individuals to reach their highest potential for God's glory. It's a beautiful day here in South Carolina, and I'd like to welcome you to Highest Potential. I'm Steve Pettit, and it has been a, a very uh, unique time here in the history of Bob Jones University with the COVID-19 virus going on. Our students all of them are doing online uh, education at this point, and I want to commend and thank our faculty and staff for doing a fabulous job. Uh, they have just a few weeks left, and then the semester will be over, and then we'll begin preparing for this fall. Today, we have Dr. Gary Weir, our provost and executive vice president here at Bob Jones University with us. Gary, good to see you. Good to see you as well. Thanks for having me back here. Well, thanks for coming in uh, to lead us through this uh, time on this podcast. Yeah, this one's going to be a little unusual, so maybe I should welcome you to your own podcast because well, thank you. this time you're going to be the one asked the questions and appreciate the opportunity to participate. So we just celebrated Easter, and so we thought it'd be a good idea for you to share your testimony and be an encouragement to fellow believers by doing that. So, so thanks for doing that. Well, uh, Easter is a spiritual birthday for me, and, and I love to tell the story of God's grace in my life. Well, amen. That's great. We're looking forward to hearing this. So let's begin by, as I think about you, you're a little bit different than a lot of us who live in Greenville. You actually grew up in South Carolina, so, so tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I'm definitely a native. Um, my mother and father met when my dad was uh, in the Air Force, United States Air Force, and he was located at Moody Air Base in Valdosta, Georgia. My mother grew up in a small town about 15 miles away called Quitman, Georgia. So they met and married, and they were married on the 27th of November, 1954, and I was born on the 27th of November, 1955. Wow. And so I was their one-year wedding anniversary present. My father got his undergraduate degree from the University of Kentucky, and then he went to get his graduate degree from the University of Georgia in agricultural economics. And when he finished his degree, I was three years old, and our family picked up and moved from Georgia to the Holy Land. You say, where's that? South Carolina, of course. And uh, we moved to Columbia, the capital city, and my father worked for the Farm Credit Administration all of his career. And one of the major uh, banks are there in Columbia. So that's where we lived growing up. So uh, I came to South Carolina at the age of three. So I'm pretty much a native. And uh, I was a very typical kid growing up in the 60s and the 70s. Um, as you well know, uh, the South is, especially during that time, was culturally religious. And that was true of our family. We attended a Presbyterian church uh, regularly. My father was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher. So I remember, I remember kindergarten as a child growing up. <clears throat> and so uh, my life was very busy. I played a lot of sports. I was involved in, um, in drama. And my mother was, uh, uh, worked in the local community theater. And so I started acting when I was 10 years old. 
and uh, played, as I said, played a lot of sports, played high school football, played high school soccer and other things. And so that was pretty much my life growing up, up until I got into about the ninth grade. And when I was in the ninth grade, uh, my dad made a decision that changed the direction of our family, and that is actually he dropped out of church. And uh, really didn't give us a reason why. I think he was probably um, uh, disenchanted with religion at that time. And so like father, like son, I dropped out as well. And so from the time I was 14 years old up until the time I became a Christian, uh, I, I went to church maybe a couple of times a year, two or three, four times a year. Uh, but I would say right around the time of my junior year of high school, we had, um, we had what I would even call a mini revival take place in our public high school. I went to Dreer High School in Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, I was involved in the school. I was class president my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Played in the high school marching band. Played on the high school football team. Uh, so I was deeply involved in the school and the community and so forth. And uh, God began to work through, a, 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 I would just call it a youth Bible study organization, and through that time, I got invited to these studies, and I would go occasionally. I wasn't overly comfortable with it, but I would go anyway. And I would hear them talk about the Lord, uh, but at the time, I really didn't understand the gospel message. You would think growing up in the South and growing up around religion, particularly with Easter and Christmas and the person of Jesus Christ, you would understand the gospel, but really I didn't. And it wasn't until a friend of mine had been converted. He came up to uh, actually the mountains here in North Carolina to a camp, and they had a weekend retreat. And over the weekend, he, be, he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and he came back to school. His name was Bill. And uh, Bill was radically changed. His, his life was, it was a dramatic turnaround. And so one day after school, I was talking to him, and I asked him, I said, Bill, what happened to you? And he said, well, I, I became a Christian. I said, well... I think I'm a Christian, so, you know, what does that mean? And for the first time in my life, I had somebody really explain to me in a very simple and clear manner what the gospel was. And in that, he showed me really four simple things. Number one, that I was a sinner. And at 17 years old, I knew I was a sinner because I, I, knew, that, I knew the commandments of God and I knew I violated them. The second thing he showed me was really the first time it became clear to me that the penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death. And I really began to understand that I really was under the judgment of God. I knew that I was not going to go to heaven because of the sins that I had committed. Then the third thing he showed me was that Jesus Christ, God's son, came into the world to die on a cross to pay for my sins. And suddenly it clicked that the death of Christ was for me and that the proof that his death really paid for my sins was his resurrection from the dead. So the historical reality of the resurrection became clear to me. And then he explained to me how that salvation is not by works. See, I always believed that you had to work your way. You had to be a good boy. And I knew the older that I was getting, I was less good and more bad. And I really began to suddenly realize that salvation was not a work that you achieve, but it's a gift you receive. So he asked me, did, do, did I want to become a Christian? And I told him, no, I'm not ready. What that really meant was <clears throat> there was not a repentance in my heart. I, I Sure, I wanted to go to heaven, but I also wanted the right to live the way Steve Pettit wanted to live, and I was a slave to sin. 
and Jesus came to set us free. So uh, that brings me up into really my high, my end of my high school years, and so I graduated from high school in 1974 and got ready for college. Wow. So so even though you're out of church, you had God and His goodness was bringing spiritual influence Absolutely. into your life. So graduated from high school, then you went on to this uh, military college in South Carolina called the Citadel. Tell us a little bit about that transition and, and maybe a bit about your freshman year. Well, people often ask me, why did you go to the Citadel? And I said, well, it's kind of an interesting story. My dad came to me one day. He said, son, you need to make up your mind about where you're going to go to college. And I'm sure a lot of parents do that. Even in their senior year, they're unsettled about where they're going to go. So I wrote down three schools. I, I grew up in Columbia, so I could have gone to the University of South Carolina, but uh, though I was a Gamecock fan, I, I really didn't want to, to, to go locally. So I wrote down three schools. One was the University of Georgia. I'd never investigated it, but that's where my dad went, so I thought about Georgia. And then there was a school up in uh, Northern Virginia that I became interested in. That was back in the days where you didn't check online, but you got those big, thick books about colleges. And I was going through this book, and in it it had uh, it was a smaller college up in Virginia. It was Radford University. The reason I was interested in it was it had a good soccer team. I played soccer in high school, and it had six girls for every one guy. So I thought that would be a good place for me Interesting. to go. The third place was really the one in my heart I wanted to go to, and yet I was a little bit reluctant, and that was the Citadel. And the reason why is because my dad had gone to a military institute in high school. Uh, he was in the United States Air Force, Probably the most influential man in the church that I attended was an, was an Annapolis grad, Naval Academy. And then my uncle graduated from Virginia Military Institute, VMI. So I had these, these influences in my life uh, as people I respected, and I wanted to be like that. I knew I needed to go. I knew, I, I knew when I graduated from high school, it was time for me to grow up, and I knew I wasn't ready. And I was really afraid of going to a place that was unstructured, that um, I can kind of do my own thing. And I just, I didn't trust myself enough. And I think it was God's grace working in me. And so, um, and so I, I, I chose the Citadel for, um, for the, the fact that it was a military school and it was well known in South Carolina. But secondly, uh, because I was somewhat recruited to come and play soccer. And so I went there in the, uh, in the uh, really late summer of 1974. Of course, it's a rude awakening to life. Uh, back in the uh, day, that, that was the time of the hippies. So I used to have hair all the way down to my shoulders. And when I went to the Citadel, they solved that problem because they only have one style there. And they shaved your head and they called us knobs because our head looked like a doorknob. And I was placed into a company, D Company, Delta Company. And uh, in, I got there in time to... to um, be a part of the preseason soccer team. So that's what got me there. And it really was through the soccer team that God began to change my life. So were there, were there particular spiritual influences, uh, members of the soccer team that, that, that spoke into your life at that time? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. You know, going to the Citadel is such a radical uh, change in your life. Uh, you just start thinking differently in so many different ways. And uh, I tried out for the varsity soccer team that year, made the team as a freshman. I was a walk-on. That means I didn't get a scholarship. And there was one scholarship freshman. His name was Maxie Birch from Beaufort, South Carolina. So because we're the only freshman on the varsity, we sat together, we roomed together. 
Uh, we ate together. We became best friends. And Maxie was a born-again Christian. He had become a believer his senior year of high school. So as we would walk to the practice field and back, it was during those conversations that we had that he would begin to share the gospel with me. And I, and I began to realize it was the same message I'd heard back in high school. So God began to use different influences to really bring me to really a conviction that this is actually the truth, not just a conviction of my sin. I knew I was a sinner, but it was a conviction that this was really, really true. So he began to invite me to some Fellowship of Christian Athlete meetings, and I, I, I was like a good Southerner. You know, you get invited and you say, yeah, I'll come, and then you don't show up. Well, he kept persisting, and I figured, you know, I better go. Uh, otherwise, he's going to ask me forever and ever. So I went. And, and honestly, I wasn't overly comfortable. It reminded me of what my high school days were. But God is able to overcome those things. You know, God overcomes us and in, in, in works in our heart. And I would say just over the course of my freshman year, um, God began to really change my desires, my wanters, my my, my life ambitions. The, Paul says in Ephesians 2 that uh, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's working in the sons of disobedience. You gave your life over to live your own selfish desires. And that's what I did. But God began to change those things over the course of my friends. So you, so you have the blessing of somebody bold in his, in his witness speaking mm-hmm. into your life, and God was using that in your life. So so we come up to spring in your, your freshman year at the Citadel. So tell us about Easter Sunday, 1975. Well, I, I think um, uh, God was bringing me to a point. You know, when you look back uh, in your life as a believer, you know, when you get saved, you realize you made the decision to come to the Lord. When you look back, you realize that the Lord was bringing you to that point. And that's really what was happening. I, w- I was really sick of my life. I felt my life was plastic. It wasn't real. Um, you know, the things that you would think would bring satisfaction truly do not. And uh, so during the Easter break, we it was, it was actually spring break. Easter and spring break was simultaneous my freshman year of college. So I went to Myrtle Beach, which is very was typical back in those days. That's where you went for spring break. And, of course, there are thousands of college kids riding up and down the same road, honking horns at each other. And, and basically, you go there to party. And uh, that's what I did. I was an unbeliever. I went there to party with my friends, stayed in a house. And, and there was a lot of alcohol and drinking and partying and girls and guys. And to be honest with you, it was the most miserable weekend of my life. Everything about it was, was, was just terrible. And I, I was so empty and miserable. And I woke up Easter Sunday morning, and I just said, I got to leave. I got to get out of here. So I got in my car and began to drive home. So from Myrtle Beach to Columbia, back in the day before you had the interstate, um, that we would take the back roads. And anybody that's driven from Columbia to, to Myrtle Beach knows those roads because you have to go through Sumter. And we say we go through Turbyville. It's, a, it's just low country, South Carolina. And I turned on the radio, and I would have listened to the local rock and roll station, but I decided to find a church service, and I did, and I just, you know, went over the radio and found the service, and I don't really know that much about it. I I stopped it and started listening because the choir was singing, and then the pastor got on the radio and started preaching over his service, and of course, I don't know who the pastor was, what kind of church it was. I just know that I felt like he knew I was driving down the highway, 
because it seemed like every sin I'd committed in the last three or four days, he spoke about. So that really got my attention. And then he began to preach on the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And it was not complicated. It was simple. It was a graphic portrayal of the death of Jesus on the cross for the purpose of my own salvation, for, my, for the forgiveness of my sins, that he suffered God's judgment and God's condemnation and God's wrath against sin in his own body, and he did it because he loved me. And it all made sense. And he spoke simply about the resurrection, that he rose from the dead, and that this is true. It's the truth. It's, it's reality is what happened. And then he came to the conclusion of his sermon, and he said something like this. There's somebody driving down the highway right now, and you're listening to me, and you're not saved. Man, my heart was pounding like a bass drum. And he said, why don't you pull over the side of the road right now and bow your head and call on the Lord and ask him to save you? Well, I didn't pull over the side of the road, but I did call on the Lord. And I really cried out to God. I said, God, save me. You know, I was looking for a feeling that never came. I was looking for a vision I never saw. I didn't have um, a spine-tingling experience. But as time began to go along, I began to realize that I actually had responded biblically to what God said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, shall be saved. And it wasn't all at once, but my assurance came eventually uh, from not so much the decision I made, though I know I made it then, because you can make the decision more than once. You know, if I didn't mean it then, Lord, I mean it now. But it was the fact that when God makes a promise, he keeps his word, and the basis of your confidence is actually in the promise of God. You can always second-guess the, the depth of your faith or the sincerity of your decision or whether it was shallow or not. But I knew I came to the Lord and I began to grow slowly and I began to have a desire for the word of God. I really wanted to learn the word. Well, what a, what a blessing just to hear that. I mean, it just reminds me of a few passages in Romans. One, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his goodness that does that. And, and that just, you know, hearing a simple gospel message preached over the radio that truly the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Absolutely, and God intends for us to tell the story simply and compassionately and urgently. So let me say to those of you that are listening to the podcast, have you received Jesus as your Savior? Have you surrendered in a sense? Have you bowed your heart to him and called upon him for your own salvation? If not, you can do that now, just like I did 45 years ago uh, this past Sunday, just a couple of days ago. So, so I'm a little older than 45, but I celebrated my 45th spiritual birthday. Well, amen. So at, at some point then you, you had points of growth in your life, and then uh, you came to Bob Jones University. I did. Uh, the, the, from, the, from the point of my conversion to my coming to Bob Jones University, of course, was, was uh, about not quite a, uh, it was about a three and a half year period. And so there was a lot of growth, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I broke my ankle that summer playing soccer. And so God took away from me what was at that point most important to me and 
really, really began to set me on a pathway of, of really living a committed Christian life. And I would say by the time I got into my, the, my, the summer of my sophomore year of college, I really had come to a place of complete surrender. I began to attend uh, a Baptist church up in uh, Northern Virginia. My family had moved out of South Carolina to Virginia. And it was there that I was baptized by immersion. I surrendered my life to the ministry. And interestingly, the pastor of the church was a Bob Jones graduate. And so through his influence, I visited the campus my junior year at the Citadel. And, uh, you know, this was 19, I think, 1976 or 77. And uh, I'd never, obviously, when you come to Bob Jones, you say, I've never been to a place like this place. And it's true. You haven't because this is a different place. It's a Christian university, and we take Christians seriously, and we take our commitment to the Bible seriously. And so I, I, I was at first thought, thinking, is this really real? Is this really what I'm interested in? And when I began to meet the people, suddenly I began to realize that the same faith that I had, this, this, the desire to serve God, many of the students here were like. And so God began to use that to draw my heart to BJU. So I came to Bob Jones University when I finished my degree at the Citadel, which was in business administration, and I came here to the seminary to prepare for the ministry, and I was here for two years and got my master's degree and then went into the ministry after that. And the Lord gave you several fruitful years of ministry in a local church and oh. then, of course, on the road as yes. an evangelist. And then, then of course, uh, in the providence of God, in, after 34 years of full-time ministry in local church and evangelistic work, I came here to BJU in 19... Excuse me, 2014. And never a dull moment since you've been here. Not one second is dull. <laughs> That's right. And it's a it's a blessing to serve together here. And again, as I as I think about your testimony, I would just encourage anybody who's listening, if they're not surrendered to the Lord, if they've not submitted to him in salvation, or a, you know, a high school student or a college student who's who is saved but struggling with direction and surrender, just God's goodness and hearing a testimony like this would encourage along those lines. So, I mean, this is your podcast. How do you want to close this now? Well, I just want to say, give thanks to God for His mercy and His grace, and that He is a faithful God who begins a good work and He will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. So, thank you, Gary, for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Highest Potential with Steve Pettit. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to follow BJU on social media at BJUEDU and Dr. Steve Pettit at, at BJU President. BJU President.